This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fans podcast, coming off an absolutely huge week. Beat up on Michigan State on the road. Mm-hmm. Went to AC's Virginia Tech Hokies. <laughs> beat up on them. We're going to touch on both of those games. We're going to touch on the big performances from Trey Jones. We're going to talk about the overreactions coming off of those two games and everything that happened in the college basketball world over the last 10 days. Top 10 teams are dropping like flies. We're also going to talk about the five-point play podcast Christmas wish list. We're two weeks away (laughs) from the fat man coming down the chimney. AC, I hope you got plenty of cookies ready for him. And speaking of Christmas (laughs) wish list, (laughs) uh, speaking of Christmas wish list, we have a lot of news to talk about in Duke recruiting, but we got to start off with the big win in East Lansing. Uh, Trey Jones just beat up on Cassius Winston and had a monster night with 20 and 12. AC, I got to give you credit here. It's the season of giving. You were absolutely correct on the performance of Duke up in East Lansing. We took it to him. We had a 23-point lead at one point, and really the game was never a question. Yeah, that was that was a, a very nice win for this team. And, yeah, I mean, just looking at it, going into it, I, I wanted to watch a fair amount of Michigan State this year because I wanted to see what we had coming up and see what we were facing when we went up there to East Lansing. And, quite honestly, I, I have not been impressed yet by them all season. And, I mean, we got to see them a little bit in person even up in New York. And it's just a team that – and Izzo's teams always fit exactly what it is that Coach K likes to do he likes to pressure the ball. And he likes to overplay passing lanes. Izzo doesn't spread the floor well ever for teams like that. So we just get to kind of squeeze down and, and create turnovers against Izzo's teams in general. And, you know, they, they usually have the rebounding advantage on us, but not this time around. This, this is a really good rebounding Duke team. So I figured between those two things, on top of the fact that Michigan doesn't have many floor spreaders, and we had been on a little bit of a hot streak in our shooting, Nonetheless, I was just, I was really, you know, going into this game, I really felt like we had this one in the bag and, and we did like that. We just, we just went in there and we just dominated that we did what we wanted to do against Michigan state. And Trey was a man possessed. He was absolutely possessed. I think, I honestly think not even lying about this. I really do think that the couple of game, bad games he had leading up to this, I really think he's looking ahead. I think he, he, he needed this monkey off of his back. From after last year with everything going on with his mom and then everything that happened with that Michigan State game in the, in the Elite Eight, it, it, I think he took a lot of onus as to this is a lot of this is my fault while we lost this game. I, I really do think, man, that as it got closer to that game, it was weighing heavily on his head and heart. And I, I'm just I'm really, really happy that we're past this game for him now. because And he had such a good game because we really did need that from him. And he's I, I think he's about to take off the rest of the season because of that. Yeah, it was awesome to have Tyus there. I think, uh, you know, Trey yep. talked about it after the game. You know, he looked over and saw he wasn't sure if Tyus was going to be there. He saw it was there, and it just gave him a little bit uh, a little bit extra juice. And uh, he, he he was fantastic. Uh, yeah. Our boy over at, uh, at Duke Wave uh, posted a, a side-by-side of a huge three that, that Trey hit in the first half, um, kind of on that right side of the key. Yep. Uh, from three that was really a dagger. And it, it was, even though it was in the first half, it was a dagger. Uh, oh, yeah. Side by side with the tightest shot at Virginia that was clearly the dagger. It, it was like looked, exactly the same shot. It was the same shot, the same setup, the same <laughs> move. 
it was awesome, and it, it gives me chills just thinking about it. But you're absolutely right. This this was a game that Trey has had circled on his calendar since we lost to Michigan State in the Elite Eight. And, you know, we could talk about Trey the entire night, but he wasn't alone. Vernon Carey oh my God. was just an absolute man the entire game. He, if he, you know, if we, if, if we needed him more, you know, Vernon Carey only played 25 minutes. He had 26 points and 11 boards. If we needed him more, he probably would have scored 40. He was he was absolutely awesome. Yeah, no, they they had no answer whatsoever for Vernon, and I mean it was just like they they didn't even try for the most part. They didn't unless unless Izzo wanted it to happen and the players just didn't make it happen. They didn't even try really to double the man, which I was like. Is this gonna happen at any point tonight? Like you got at least double him once. Like they were coming in with like those little halfway, you know, smacks at the ball, things like that. I mean, that's not a true double team. Like they they weren't really coming with you know with full fledged guys with arms up, reaching for balls, two hands, all that type of thing. All the double teams you see, they didn't try didn't try to to take the lobs away from the backside. None of it. They they really left it as Xavier Tolan one on one and and Bingman one on one and. Thank you. Thank you, Tom, for that, because I really appreciate it. The other really encouraging thing was Vernon was 9 from 12 from the line. So, you know, a stark difference from, hate to keep bringing this game up, but a stark difference from the second half of Stephen F. Austin. Like, Vernon was just, he was absolutely in it to win it. You know, they, they said the fans were giving it to him beforehand because, you know, he was, Michigan State was second on his list behind Duke. So the fans were giving it to him and everything else. So, you know, obviously something there fueled his fire a little bit, too. So that was really nice to see. Yeah. And I want to, you know, kind of wrap this up with three other guys. Um, one, Matthew Hurt, you know, came right out of the gate, hit a big three to open the game up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a very nice night, 27 minutes, uh, 10 points. He was two or three from, from deep. Uh, I thought Jack White played extremely well. Uh, you know, Jack White continues to do a little bit of everything. He was three or four from the field, mm-hmm. one of two from deep. But, you know, you know, his his contributions usually aren't gonna be in the in the in the points column. Um, but then you have, you know, Joey Baker can just continuing to build off of what he's been doing. He was five of six. And a couple of the shots were just, you know, they they weren't good shots unless they go in. And, you know, I want to touch on the the juxtaposition between him and Alex. You have one guy that is just seeing the ball go in and is shooting it like every shot is going to go in. And then you have another guy in Alex, and, and the reason he only played is, you know, for seven minutes in this one, he took one shot. It, it, it's just they're not confident-looking shots uh, that, that Alex was taking up to this point. And, you know, Joey's on that complete opposite end of the spectrum where he's going to get some of those friendly roles because yeah. he's willing the ball in, he's wishing it in, which mm-hmm. is, you know, kind of what Alex has been doing. Yeah, absolutely. And the the other the other key factor there is he has he now has the blessing from Kay to take those shots. That's the other part of it. I think I think if he took some of the same shots he took against Michigan State against maybe Central Arkansas, then he might have been pulled out of the game, might have even been pulled out of the rotation until he was ready to take, you know, efficient shots. But at this point, with the confidence that's brimming in him and what he brings to the team, Kay has he, Kay has given him that green light that you, you see typically only see, you know, two and three year veterans get. So it's, it's awesome to see, to see Joey get, getting that, getting that green light from K like that. And, and you mentioned Matt hurt. He had those, those nice buckets early on in the game. 
the other part that really stood out to me was his help defense. He had three blocks and he he altered a lot of shots on on the defensive end when he was in. And that was that was good to see because I think on the defensive end, that's what he can offer this team. He has he has long arms. He does time his shot blocks very well. Actually, that was one thing coming in that we knew about him, that he was he was a good shot blocker coming in, very smart shot blocker. So I'd love to see him continue that that type of rim protection. And and one more shout out. Can I do it? Can I can I give Jab the shout out for you? you the ten and six. Oh wow. Ten and six. I'll, I'll, I'll I, think, allow it. I think I don't know if he just hates Michigan State. I don't know if he just hates the color green, but there's something about this team, man. And Jab, they just they let him work and he does he went to work, man. He and Trey had some nice chemistry all night long. <laughs> yeah, hey, look, if Jab can play against Michigan State his entire career, um, <laughs> yeah, hey, look, he played great. He played he played really, really well. And I hope that he plays like every game against Michigan State. He they should do something where like they just tell them, tell Jab <laughs> that he's playing Michigan State tonight. Correct. Correct. Um, but either either way, big win, big time win. We needed it. Um you know, regardless of what Michigan State's doing this year, to go up to East Lansing and to really just take them out of the game right out of the gates. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, it could have been a lot worse. You know, we were called yeah. for nearly two two x the amount of fouls that they were, uh, and Israel was still bitching and complaining the entire <laughs> night. For what I'm not 100 percent sure, your 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 brains were getting beat in. Um, but hey, good win for us, and let's move on. Play. You know, speaking of playing hurt, clearly you guys can can hear I'm playing hurt right now. Got this head cold, you know, the congestion. I'm, I'm working with all kinds of medication. I'm this playing is the dedication hurt. of the five point play, man. That's right. And you know, Cassius Stanley, he came back in this Virginia Tech game. He started. I did not expect him back until after right. Christmas. So he he plays he plays hurt. Granted, he only plays seven minutes. It was a tale of two, two really pretty much two different games here. You know, we got down 12 early. There was a lot of talk, you know, if you guys listen to Coach K's post-game, stayed down in Roanoke, which is, what, about 20 minutes away. Yep. Um, we didn't even get to, to a shoot-around. We had exams and, and projects and things to take care of. And uh, you got a lot of young guys who've never played there before to come in there. You start slow. The, you know, the, the Virginia Tech fans were awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're jacked up. And we come out, we take a big punch early. Coach K, you know, adjusts, goes small. We get, you know, a 20-point lead at one point and, and kind of really coast the last eight minutes or so in the second half and approves to a really, I think, more impressive win than the Michigan State win. This, this game was a tale of not only two halves, but two different teams, man. It, let's... Go ahead and get go ahead and get whatever whatever beverage of choice you would like because I'm about to say the word versatility because this game was the epitome of that this this shows you exactly what this Duke team can do over the course of the season against anyone in the country they can game plan any lineup against anybody in the country that they want to and and it will work at least well enough to keep them in the game if not like like you saw with this game eventually blow the team the hot team out of the water and and tech was playing as good as any any team could be are they are they a top 20 top 15 team in this nation no they are not but they played like it they absolutely played like it so we go up against someone like louisville or someone else and they go small ball or something else against us i have no worries that 
that the five small guys that Duke puts on the floor, depending on the matchups, that they can hang with whoever they want to play with. And and that was that was really nice to see, man. That was that was awesome to see this team be able to turn it around in the second half the way they did. But what a what a great job by Kay. This one this one was one of those K is the MVP of the game type situations because to have the guts to sit Vernon and Matt Hurt basically the entire second half un- until the game was really uh, really out out of reach for Tech and and really to just rely on you know, somebody like Jordan Goldwire plays thirty minutes you know what I mean like to rely on him to just come in and, and do some work that was that was just a great great motivational and coaching job by K. Yeah, you know he he talked about it earlier in the season about how, look, everybody has an opportunity to, to earn minutes and get minutes. And he's going to play uh, not only who's playing the best, but whatever the situation calls for. You know, mm-hmm. Vernon was getting double and triple teamed as soon as he touched the ball the yeah. entire game. I've Kay, never seen you know, anybody affected. I, I haven't either. That was actually like quite that. impressive. Um, you know, they were being like, look, anybody but you is going to beat us. They obviously right. watched, the tape, they watched the tape against Michigan State. Uh, but he was actually still quite efficient. He's still 4-7, um, mm-hmm. you know, 12 points, 5 boards in only 15 minutes. And, you know, I give Vernon cr- uh, credit as well because he understood what was going on. And, you know, yep. just kind of the, 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 the personnel that he was going up against, it wasn't, it wasn't his night. Um, yeah, he couldn't guard anybody. That was the main thing. He couldn't guard anyone. It was unfair to put him in that situation. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Matt, you know, his numbers don't look bad. Uh, it, it just, you know, defensively as well, he wasn't ready. And, and I Mary. love what he did. He basically, you know, we don't we don't say one through five or anything, but, you know, Jack was our biggest guy on the floor for pretty much the entire second half. You know, yep. Kay has to call a timeout within the first 90 seconds of the second half when, you know, Tech scores a couple buckets in a row. And we're on the verge of potentially letting this thing get away from us. He brings in Jordan, brings in Joey. Brings in Jack to go along with Trey and, and and let's give a shout out to Wendell Moore. You know, he, he played great up at the garden, but outside of that, I think this I don't know how you feel. I think this was his best game. Oh, absolutely. I think so too. I I I loved what he brought to the floor. Number one, no turnovers against the team that was you know, they, they really were were trying to press the ball on us a little bit and trying to especially in the half court, they were trying to to squeeze everything out in the half court, and that's kind of where We've seen Wendell struggle a little bit. There was one play in particular, and I think I, I on Twitter, I, I called it the turning point of his season, and I really do think that was the case. There was a play in the first half where Tech came down on a two-on-one fast break with Wendell there, and he just kind of did this halfway, you know, I don't even know if you can call it a skip. I don't know what it was that he did. He jumped in the air a little bit and had his arms down by his side, try, I, I assume trying not to get a foul, but... It was it was the laziest play I've seen him make all season. I call it lazy straight up. I've been a huge Wendell yeah. fan all year. I will call what he did very lazy. It was absolutely lazy. Not a good play for the ball at all. And not something you're accustomed to even seeing in a Duke jersey. Typically, you see guys going going hard after the guy, bringing it down the floor, getting in the passing lane, everything else. He didn't even attempt it, man. And I, I saw that play, and I was like, that you're better than this, Wendell. I even, I even I added him on Twitter and said, you are better than this. You are better than that play. <laughs> And, you know, maybe he checked Twitter at halftime. I don't know, because somebody got into him somewhere because after that he was just he was possessed, man. He just came out in that second half on defense, especially, and was just he, he gave Landers Nolly fits and Nolly was he had his way in the first half and he was giving him fits with Jack White all night long. 
switching off, and he really he was was the key difference in the second half of this team. He he was he was really good, and I absolutely agree. You could tell. Uh, you know, we talked about the tail of two halves, uh, two lineups, or whatever. The tail mm-hmm. of two Wendells. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, that was that was such a turning point for him, and and I'm hoping. I'm ho- I'm thinking and hoping that play was the low point of his season because it was. I don't care about the turnovers and everything else. He's trying. That play was so lazy that I that has to be his the lowest point of the season for him. Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad that he responded. He showed some toughness because yeah. a lot of times when uh, when you have those super low points and you're a young player and you haven't been playing great, it's easy to you know kind of wallow. Uh, we saw we saw that from you know guys like Quinn Cook in the past. You know yep. where they. You know, they get so consumed in what they're doing. It's maturity, and that's what yep. it is. And, and, he, and he did a great job. And before we wrap this up, I think we got to give another shout-out to, obviously, Trey. We're getting to a point where we're starting to take Trey for granted, and, and I'm going to do that here. But I want to talk about Jordan Goldwire. Yeah. Uh, he played 30 minutes in this game, knocked down a couple big shots when we needed mm-hmm. him. You know, Jordan is really carving himself out to a really nice role where – you know, I, I still contend that, you know, he's he's a situational player. Right. He's a, a guy that we bring in in specific situations. But, you know, if we can start relying on him uh, to, to make a couple buckets, um, you know, what he did against Virginia Tech, you know, that that was a third. I mean, that wasn't a fluke. That was 30 minutes. I, I agree. I think I think he's situational with the potential to be a regular rotation guy. Uh, moving forward and i and i would love to see it because there were, he did some nice things outside we always just talk about his defense that's because that's typically what he just gives us but he moved the ball he always moves the ball pretty well he's a smart player yeah. he's a smart player on ball he doesn't really turn the ball over very much and the other the other thing that he did very well he, he attacked the basket really well <laughs> this season in general he's had some really nice takes to the bucket all year long and, and very strong takes his the strength has been a big thing for him. He got, he got a lot stronger over the summer. I thought he was going to win the belt, you know, the, that they give out to strength and conditioning guy of the year for, for, or guy of the summer for Duke. And he really, you know, he really transformed his body and he's, he's become a really nice player for us. And I do think, I think he has the potential to be somebody regular, not only giving Trey minutes on the bench to catch his breath, but also just being another guard on the floor to be able to pressure the ball and, it's not four on five on the offensive end when he's out there. I, I, I don't think it's that way as much as it was in the past for him anymore. And I'd love to see him keep building that confidence. A big shout out to him. Again, Jack White played extremely well. We're, we're starting to find, you know, what we're made of. And you can't have two better examples than going at Michigan State, having to deal with basically 24 hours at home, coming right back on the road, you know, and going on the road with all the stuff you have to deal with. Uh, not even having to shoot around in that gymnasium. Those are two big-time wins, and I hope that we can draw on that um, for the, from the rest of the year. But let's move forward uh, to our favorite segment. Next play. All right, moving on to our favorite segment on this Here podcast. The, over, the overreaction, or you're going to allow it. And I want to take it right off. AC, uh, we talked about uh, Alex O'Connell. He made the big three at the end of the second half in that game. And then immediately after, comes down and hits a really tough baseline jumper. Mm-hmm. AC, your first one is by virtue of C3 go in, and then the next baseline jumper. Is that all Alex needed to see? Is he 
off into the races the rest of the season shooting the ball? I will allow it. I'll allow it. I will definitely allow it, man. I when he hit the when he hit the first three, I was I was so happy for him. And the first thing I was thinking in my head, and I think I might even put it on our Twitter, was there we go. That's what he needs to see right there. And then he follows that up with what is a very difficult and a very veteran jump shot on the baseline that that off the dribble baseline jumper with with a defender nearby that's a that's a tough shot it's a good shot but it's a tough shot and it's a confident shot and that's what he needs man he needs confidence and i was i was so happy to see those shots going for him and i was so so happy to see like the the light in his eyes return after he hit that shot man and i i do i really think that is going to be something that we see for him help him move on and move past all of this, all, you know, all of the, the missed shots and everything else he had moving forward. Because before there was no confidence there. He was, he was taking contested jumpers or bad jumpers, just, just firing it up, trying to find a shot. And that's not the way you get back into your rhythm, man. Like you got to get rhythm shots and you got to feel confident in the shots that you're getting. And I, I think, I think we're going to see that out of him moving forward. I really do. I really think that was what he needed. I think that's what the team needed. And quite honestly, I think Kay needed to see that for him as well. I mean, he gave him the confidence anyway to play him a, a huge amount of time in that in that second half. We needed him for the small ball. He played him. Alex took five threes. He only made one, but he the shots he was he was taking they were good shots. They were better shots than he had been getting. So we needed to see it. We saw it. I'm really happy we saw it. And and I think from this point on, here we go. We we got we got the Alex O'Connell that we need to see the biggest question is I want to see him be able to keep it consistent and, and be able to maintain that confidence all the way through into March, because that's when we're really going to need it. Like now's the time for him to hone those skills, but you know, we really need to see that Alex moving forward into March. So now for you, let's talk about one thing. All right. We've seen, we've seen past iterations of Duke where we have these uber talented freshmen coming in, taking over the team Everybody likes to, you know, they they like to say that Kay's not coaching like he used to because of those guys. This year we have a team not full of one and dones, a team full of guys who play certain roles. We haven't seen that in a while at Duke. Is this Kay's best job at Duke this decade? Overreaction or will you allow it? AC, I'm actually going to allow this. I'll allow it. I know that we have, you know, a national championship to start the decade in 2010. I'm not even sure if we're counting that, but I'm going to, for the sake of this argument, uh, and I know we have the championship of 2015 and, mm-hmm. and all the things that Coach K had to do for that national championship, you know, the eight minute right, uh, having to make the tough decision to, to dismiss his first player in the history of his uh, coaching tenure, mm-hmm. not just at Duke, but in, in general. Um, so those were all, you know, great things. And, you know, a lot of a lot of this comes from, you know, fans saying that Coach Cage just rolled the ball out the last few years. <laughs> no, I know you love that. Oh, that's one of my favorite things. One of my favorite blanket statements. And we, we, we love blanket statements here. Uh, Coach Cage just rolls it out because he has Zion and, and RJ. Uh, he has uh, Marvin Bagley and, and Wendell and Brayson Allen and, and Gary Trent. He just rolls it out because he has Jason Tatum and, Luke Kennard, uh, who was an All-American and, and all these guys. But that's not really what it is. Um, could you question some of the X's and O's that, that he decides to go with? Absolutely. I know that 
you specifically had an issue with kind of how they set the offense up toward the end of last year. Um, and, and it's hard to argue that, you know, okay, if you had to do it over again, probably would have implemented a couple of different variations where other guys could could be involved more regularly because, mm-hmm. you know, at the end, it's kind of like, hey, we're standing around and we're watching R.J. Barrett and Zion in the same pick and roll action and let them, you know, hopefully carry us to the win. You know, but it's not so much unlike, you know, what he did with J.J. Reddick uh, and when, you know, what he did with Sheldon Williams and, and that senior lighting team. You know, we had the experience, so what difference does it make if we had the experience with the All-American National Player of the Year senior versus the uh, Consensus Player of the Year freshman who was all-world? Uh, you know, it was both a lot of standing around watching uh, and letting your two best buys carry the day. And so if you say that he rolls it out with the, you know, one-and-done freshman, then what did he do on that team? Did he just roll it out then? No, what he actually said was, we have to stop JJ watching. You know, we have to stop Zion watching. We have to stop Marvin Bagley watching. We have to stop Jaleel Okafor watching, Jabari Park, all these different guys. But a lot of that does fall on K, though, to help his team get past that. You know, sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not. But to bring it back to this year, and granted, we're only 10 games in, one of the reasons I think this is his best job in the last decade is because he is willing to go 10 deep. He is willing to sit Vernon Carey uh, in a game that just is not suited for him against Virginia Tech. Now, when he plays 15 minutes, he has pretty solid stats during that game, but overall, you know, it just wasn't a game for him. He's not afraid to sit Matthew Hurt, uh, a guy that, you know, we're presumed to be potentially our top scorer coming into the season. By a lot of outlets, he's not afraid to to sit him the entire the entire game against Georgetown in the Garden. Um, he's not afraid to sit Wendell Moore at times. The only guy that's pretty much immune from it is Trey Jones. But you know, we talked about what he did uh, in the second half against Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, Jack White was our tallest guy. He was able to rely on guys like Jordan Goldwire, career backup role players, uh, and, and trust them and put them in the right positions and really empower them. And we saw that Wendell Moore had probably his best half uh, outside of the uh, the Georgetown game uh, in the Garden. You know, outside of the Garden, this was Wendell Moore's best moment as a, a, a young Duke player. So he put his teams each and every game uh, in positions to, to be at their best. And then even with the Stephen F. Austin game, you know, Maybe that was just a learning moment for his bodies. Maybe because he said it immediately after, we got a little bit too cocky. We got a little bit too bought into our own hype. And maybe that's a coaching moment too. And I love it. That's old school K. I'm not saying he was playing for the loss, but it sure didn't look like he was playing for the win. And, you know, that could be part of it. But hey, we're nine and one out of 10 games. So, yeah, I'm going to allow it. Moving on, your next one here. After ten games and after everything that you've seen on the season, is Trey Jones the best point guard in the nation? Is that an overreaction to say that? Ooh, all right. So I, I don't like the way it's gonna sound coming out of my mouth, even. So I'm gonna have to say it two different ways. I'm gonna say to the question: Is he the best point guard 
I'm going to say it's an overreaction because there are some really good point guards in the nation this year. That was an overreaction. Some really talented guys, some guys who have different roles than he has, and they're really performing in those roles exceptionally well. Like mean, first comes to mind is Marcus Howard. The guy is just, you know, putting up insane scoring stats this year. He's a scoring point guard for them. Cole Anthony, you know what I mean? Like until the injury and everything else, the guy, he was showing his talent to, to the world, how he was doing for the most part. Had a couple bad games here and there, but the kid's uber talented. Anthony Edwards of Georgia, again, uber talented player. Young, still learning the game, the college game, but God, his talent is amazing. So those guys, you know, talent-wise, I would say those guys are a little ahead of him. But then you take into account what Trey does on both ends. He plays defense better than any point guard that there is in the nation. I don't want to hear Ashton Hagens. I don't want to hear about anybody else. I... I know who the best defensive player is in the nation, and it's Trey Jones. And so the things he's asked to do on both sides, he's the most important player in the nation, without a doubt. There's no doubt in my mind, you take anyone off of anyone's roster, and no one affects the outcome, the possible outcome of that team like Trey Jones. Like, you take Marcus Howard off of Marquette, Marquette's still going to be a bottom-tier bottom NCAA tournament team at best. You take him off that roster at best. He's on the roster. They're still that low at best. You take, you know, we'll, we'll talk. I, I'm going to leave you and see alone for now. You take Anthony Edwards off of Georgia at best, still a lower tier possible NCAA tournament team. Maybe even with, with him on the roster or not. Trey Jones makes Duke a final four contender. You take him off the team. Duke is Duke is a mid-level NCAA t- tournament team at best, in my opinion. So he's the most important player that there is in the, in the nation seven assists, 15 points. I just, I just don't know if it's easy to say that he's the best point guard in the nation, but I, I will, I'm going to absolutely give him most important player in the nation. All right. So now we'll, I want to stick with point guards here. And I, I alluded to it a little bit because I know, I know it's something you want to touch on. So I want to, I want to phrase it to you in a way. Here we go. I brought up Cole Anthony. UNC is an NIT team this season. Overreaction or will you allow that? <laughs> I feel like uh, we, yes, yes, yes. I love I feel, this <laughs> I feel like we've done uh, no overreactions, so I feel like I almost have to say this is an overreaction, but it's not. It's not an overreaction. I'm going to tell you <laughs> yeah. why. Okay, so first of all, thank you to Walford, and uh, mm-hmm. I know that all of our UNC fans that, uh, that listen to the uh, podcast, uh, <laughs> I think we have about one of them. Um, <laughs> here's the thing is UNC is 6-4. And on Wednesday night, they go to the number two team in the country, Gonzaga. Credit to Roy Williams for scheduling that uh, on the road. That's going to, hey, Roy, <laughs> great job. I mean, I know that you want to build your teams up for the NIT run. And so <laughs> there's no better way to do it than going on the road to a uh, you know top four seed in the NCAA tournament. That is going to pay <laughs> dividends when you go and play in uh, Carmichael again for the NIT. So people people don't give Roy enough credit. He <laughs> sees four steps ahead. That's why he played in Carmichael this past weekend against Warford, because he Get knows, he's gonna, yeah, he's going to see a team like that. And they're not going to play anywhere near the level of competition that they're going to play at Gonzaga. So when they lose that game, they're going to be 6-5. and five. So after Gonzaga, after they get blown to smithereens against <laughs> Gonzaga, and then they play a neutral site game against UCLA in Vegas, close to the mm-hmm. UCLA campus, only a few hours away. 
they're going to be a beaten team more than they already are. And while UCLA isn't some juggernaut that they used to be, neither is UNC. Uh, so they're going to come in and they know that if they're ever going to beat UNC, this is probably the time. Mm-hmm. They they probably like to, to avenge some, some losses in the past. So it, it's going to be a close game. And then they play Yale, who Yale's not bad. AC, they're, yep. they're not a bad team. So they're two tough games after Gonzaga. But let's just pretend that they win both of those games. They're going to be 8-5. and five. Sure. Okay, They'll be 8-5, and five, and then they come into the bulk of their ACC schedule. We already know that they are 1-1 one and one in the ACC so far, having lost in embarrassingly, fa- embarrassingly bad fashion at UVA. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got to play 18 more games. And AC, I have it written out here. They got to play Duke twice at FSU. They have to play UVA again. They have to go at Virginia Tech, at Louisville. Mm-hmm. They have to go at Notre Dame, at NC State, who they play twice. They got to go at Wake, who isn't a pushover as they usually are. Right. And even though Syracuse isn't that good, they end their season by having to go up to the Carrier Dome, trying to you know, play up there isn't ever easy. I'm sure there will be some kind of snow involved. <laughs> um, I'm just saying that they could easily go 500 in ACC play. That or would lower. put them at 10. And, that <laughs> would put them at 10 and 10 in the ACC, and mm-hmm. 17 and 15, 18 and 15, somewhere around that ballpark. Yep. That's not good enough to get you in the NCAA. Shouldn't, it ballpark. shouldn't be. Okay. So yeah. So. No, it's not an overreaction to say that they're going to go to the NIT. I'll allow it. I love that. So, follow-up question here. This is, this is the first in the overreaction segment. I want to add another one in here. We've wow. seen what's happened with them, all right? We, we got the news now that Cole Anthony is injured. All of a sudden, we see what you're talking about, which is exactly true. We, we have seen a huge slide in this team. This is not a good UNC team in general. We've seen Cole Anthony have some bad games now. We've seen some questions now about his his draft stock, especially with some of these other guard, point guards we've talked about, Trey Jones, Anthony Edwards, guys like that, really starting starting to to shoot up the boards a little bit more. Is is Cole Anthony being sat out by his father Greg for NBA draft purposes? We heard this about Zion last year so much from the UNC fans. Yeah, is that what's happening now? Wow. Overreaction wow. or will you allow that? Wow. Um no, I don't <laughs> hard I, questions I, here. Yeah, that is hard to question. Uh I wasn't prepared for this segment. So uh I'm just gonna spit off the cuff here. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speculate on someone's injury. I think that that's in poor taste. Right. Uh having having said that, I've I've read anywhere from he could play against Gonzaga to he could be out four to six weeks to yeah, he might not play again for UNC a lot of the reasons uh, you just stated. Uh, apparently, there's some knee issues there, maybe meniscus, uh, you know, whether it's tendonitis or he might have to get scoped. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not going to speculate. But, yeah, it, it's kind of karma that uh, all those UNC fans that were clamoring for how much they, they cared about the kid uh, in Zion mm-hmm. and making sure that he shot. Mm-hmm. Well, those were actually two very different scenarios. Uh on the one hand, I'm just going to use Zion first. Uh, Zion, the quote-unquote injury, he could have played the very next game. 
he had shoe issues, and they sat him out because they wanted to make sure that that never happened again. Uh, Duke also had a lot to play for, and that's where I want to transition. UNC, we just kind of went through the schedule there, right? Well, let's just pretend that uh, that 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 he does not play against Gonzaga, and, and that whatever that four to six week uh, indefinite time frame that was thrown out there holds true. If UNC is you know, kind of floating around that 500 mark, mm-hmm. even if they're 10 and 5. I wouldn't be surprised if Greg Anthony says, hey, look, uh, they weren't great with you. Your stock after the first game was you're going to be the number one you know, pick. Yeah, you're kind of already starting to slide a little bit. You got other guys starting to slide, uh, you know, rise to draft boards. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Greg Anthony says, look, we're shutting this thing down. You know, the other thing about Cole Anthony and the difference between him and Zion, uh, you know, Cole Anthony is a, is a, is a guard. He's a small right. guard. You saw what happened with guys like Derek Rose. Uh, Cole Anthony has talked about how his legs are old in the past. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard that from an 18, 19 year old kid. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, so those are things that, you know, those are things that Zion said. And, and yeah. the, the Zion thing was a freak. Maybe uh, maybe Cole needs to lose weight. That's because that's what. Oh right, got yeah, too heavy on me. <laughs> Same injury. Right. So uh, yeah. <laughs> so you know whether it is you know you're playing too many games, that's one thing, and that's probably for another time. Uh, but no, I, I don't think it's an overreaction. Again, I, this is a unanimous allowance segment that I wouldn't be shocked <laughs> if uh, Brent Anthony just says, you know what, this team isn't worth <laughs> you coming back for. Uh, you don't need to be on the cover of the NIT 2K20 uh, cover by EA, by, by EA Sports, another, <laughs> another sponsor of the uh, Five Point Play podcast. That's right. Yeah, and just just to add what you add to what you said before we we finish out, man. Yeah, no, I I I don't disagree with anything you said. I also, if let's say you know we're not in Greg Anthony's living room and Cole Anthony's living room, let's say that that is their decision. You know what? Good, good for you. So be it. Like the, the NCAA is still so in in many ways it's exploitative with these kids, and in many ways that you don't want you you are about to get paid millions and millions and millions of dollars. So why would you ruin that for a team that is that is garbage? Like quite honestly, is like not a good UNC team. We like we play the game every year of oh you know UNC is going to get it done. They're going to get it done. They're not going to get it done this year. They aren't. We've seen it. We know it. They're not going to get it done. So, you know, in the spirit of competition, no, you don't want to see somebody give up on the team that they that came into your living room and, and sold sold their soul to you. You don't want to see that. But in, in the spirit of competition, cool. But in the spirit of these kids and individually for these guys, I, I also can't blame them. I can I can I can get down with both sides. I can get down with the side of. I'm going to, he's going to play it out and play it out for his team. And I'd give him 100% respect for that. And I would also give him respect if he was like, you know what, we're shutting it down. We're getting ready for the draft. I, I would also respect that. And I, it would make me happy that we didn't land Cole Anthony on our team. And it would make me happy that UNC gets to see this side of, of basketball for a year. And good for you. And suck it. 
So that's where I'm going to leave that. <laughs> uh, speak, all right. And speaking of uh, moving on to Christmas wishes. That's right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think this is a perfect uh, segue, right? I, I yeah. Mean, bring me uh, that. Bring uh, me that for Christmas, Santa Claus. Yeah. Bring, bring us uh, <laughs> uh, 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 UNC and the NIT. That would be Oh, fantastic. dude, can you get me a copy of uh, NIT 2000, 2020 for Christmas this year? Yeah, absolutely. Paul Anthony is not going to be on the front. It's going to be Andrew Playtech. <laughs> That's awesome. It'll be Andrew Playtech on, <laughs> on the awesome. cover of uh, of 2K20 uh, by EA Sports. Proud sponsor of the 2019 version of Five Point Play Podcast oh. Christmas wish list. And let's get right to it. The first one is Jack White. Uh, Jack White is currently shooting about 31.6% from three. I my Christmas wish wish is that he shoots above thirty five percent the rest of the year and is consistent the rest of the year. This is kind of like that time frame where he kind of fell off last year. So I want I want to see him be consistent in the senior year from deep. We're going to need him. I like it. I like it. All right, let me uh, let me give you one of mine. So we've seen it now with Cassius, and we've even seen Vernon have just a slight issue with some cramping in his quads, things like that. I am wishing for a healthy Vernon and Cassius the rest of the season. Those are two of our most important players outside of Trey Jones. And if we are going to reach the ceiling that we can possibly reach, we need these two guys healthy and on the court as often as we can keep them on the court. Let's have a healthy Vernon and Cassius moving forward in 2020. Hey, love it. Uh, my next one is Matthew Hurt. Uh, we talked about his kind of inconsistent performances. A lot of times with uh, with these freshmen, uh, you kind of get into that ACC schedule and you, you kind of see who they really are. Are they gonna Are they gonna rise to the top, uh, or are they gonna kind of just wallow in 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 misery or just not being physically ready to do it? My Christmas wish list for Matthew Hurt is that he becomes a more consistent. Uh, that second or third scorer that we need him to be, we thought we would get. Maybe that's 15 points a game. That's who I'm looking for for the rest. We, we start off New Year's Eve, 12:31 BC. I want to go. Matthew Hurt averages about 14 to 15 points a game for the like entire ACC season. That would be extremely helpful. Let me give you one. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I want to think outside the box with this one. This is you know like any Christmas wish list. You can circle as many toys as you want to in the Sears catalog. You know, let's let's date ourselves a little bit with that one. And you know you're not going to get everything. But this is one I'd like to see, and I think it will help this team greatly. I would like to see Jordan Goldwire take two to three threes a game. I'd like to see him take those. And, you know, God willing, I'd like to see him make at least one out of the shots that he takes. He's He's been such a good defender for us. He's been so good helping keep Trey off the floor and give him some some needed rest. And they're going to need that in the ACC season to keep him healthy. I would love to see Jordan be able to to take those shots. He was a good shooter coming in for, for out of high school, decent shooter, not you know not great, not a world beater, but he was a decent shooter coming out of high school. And he's shown the at least the propensity to take shots. He's shooting twenty three percent right now. I understand that, but he's not taking confident shots in general. We saw him finally take some confident shots against Virginia Tech, and it looked good. And it didn't look forced. It looked fine. He had one bad miss. I understand that, but who doesn't? So I would like to see Jordan take those, take two to three a game just to pull a defense out and, and have to guard him. And, you know, we'd love to see him make one. So that's my, that's one of my wish lists. All right, let's wrap this one up for my Christmas wish list. 
list, and I'm gonna go with my main man, my main man, Gavin Delorier. Uh, you know, I've been Merry Christmas. Yep. You know, I've been hard on him uh, for pretty much the entire uh, length of this podcast, which is two um, a year and a half now. So, um, <laughs> I actually went AC. I went back and I looked through every one of our ten games, and I counted every single time that Jab gave his patented. Pat in the chest, hand up after he made a mistake, and it's actually These are the stats that you get with the yeah, I did. He averages three. He, he averages three point six hand pack with the hand <laughs> up uh, per game, and he actually averages about just over four points a game. So my Christmas wish list uh, for the rest of the season is that he averages twice as many points as he does the hand pass with the hand up, acknowledging his own mistake. That basically means Jab, stop making dumb mistakes, and uh, you know keep your you know four and a half to five points a game. I love it. I love that. All right, let me. Uh, I'm gonna finish this thing off. I don't know if I can top that one, but I would. I would love to see on my wishes. I would love to see Wendell average fourteen and a half points a game and less than two turnovers a game the rest of the season. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Uh, right now, he's averaging seven points a game, but those are with. You know, quite a few games where he didn't score a single point or score two. We've seen him where he can take the ball and score upwards of, you know, 15, 16, 17 points when he takes really good, efficient shots and gets to the basket. And I think the turnover thing with Wendell has been overblown a bit. People complain about the amount of turnovers he has. But if you really look at his stats outside of the the outlier of Georgetown, where he had seven turnovers, he hasn't averaged more than two turnovers a game. and with the Georgetown anomaly, he has averaged 2.3 turnovers a game. So he's not averaging a bunch of turnovers this season. He's not turning the ball over a lot. It's just that he hasn't gotten a lot of minutes. And I understand what's going on. He hasn't got a lot of minutes, and he's turned over the ball in those minutes. Understandable. I get it. But Wendell's a really good player, and we are going to need him. As, as much as people complain about the guy, we are absolutely going to need him this season. He's a really good player, really strong player. I want to see him in that 14 and a half point range, and I want to see him less than two turnovers a game. It's going to be huge for this team. Well, it's between him and uh, Matt Hurt averaging the same amount. Uh, we're yep. going to be scoring about 200 points a game. All right. <laughs> yep. So uh, hopefully, Santa gives us uh, everything that we've asked for uh, for, for Duke Hoops. Um, we, got, we got a lot of things on our list, and really, we could have gone a little bit further, but let's get to uh, we're, we're going to be away. Uh, we got Christmas coming up next week. Next, Wednesday? Yeah, next Wednesday, yep. right? Yep. Uh, so we have uh, Walford, who, you know, coming off, and we were all Terriers uh, on Sunday. but uh, <laughs> We were all Terriers last week. We were, yeah. we were all Terriers on Sunday, but uh, uh, not on Thursday. So we have the, them coming in, the, the Cameron Indoor. You know, anybody that uh, watched any bit of that game knows that they're going to be a small, scrappy team where their mm-hmm. biggest guy on the court might be 6-6 at for large stretches of the game. Could this be another game where, you know, it's not really suitable for a guy like Vernon Carey? It feels that way, right? Like, it feels that way. Like, their tallest player is, is Chavez Goodwin. He's 6'9". Good good player. Like, not nothing great. But, yeah, like, this this feels like the Georgia State game, even, a lo- like, to a, less, a very lesser degree, the Virginia Tech game. It feels like that because of the size differential and everything else. I would love, like, I love the fact that we can be Take another shot. Here it comes. Versatile. I love the fact that we can do that and and play small ball. I would, though, like to see a game 
where we can keep our big guys in and let them just work and pound out these these smaller kids uh, on the boards oh. and and <laughs> pause, pound them out on the boards, get the good Ooh. shots down low, really work work through the paint and and get those good those good post touches against a small team. I'd love to see us be able to do that because I don't want to see us have to not be us in the NCAA tournament. I, I like the fact that we can change up and and we can be chameleons, but at at some point you know, you, you just got to go out and, and do what it is, do what it is that you do really well, which is get run and carry the ball and let that man go to work. So we'll see. They, they spread the floor. They cut a lot. They, they really implement a lot of the same tactics that Mike Young uses. So, you know, I, I use Georgia State as an example, but really, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's going to look a lot like the Virginia Tech game because the offense is going to be very much the same. The players are pretty much going to be the same. They only lost a couple guys to tech from from Wofford's team who followed Mike Young over a recruit and then a transfer. So they really have a lot of the same guys who got to watch Fletcher McGee go nuts for the last couple of years. So, I mean, they, they really do have all, all of the parts and pieces there to to be that same old tough, scrappy Wofford team we've seen. So it's going to be tough for Duke. I'd love to see us be able to go inside and use Ren and Carey and Matt Hurt the way we really want to use them against a smaller team. But we'll see how they do. I, th- I think it's going to be one of those games where the first half is going to look ugly, especially with this long layoff and yeah. Wofford coming up with all that that high energy. I, I really think we'll probably see a two or three point differential for either team, one one way or the other at the half. And then I think we see Duke take over. I'd love to see Wendell Moore continue what he's been doing. I'd love to see Alex O'Connell continue what he's been doing. I'd love to see Joey Baker continue what they've been doing. So if our our if our if our supporting players it can can do what they have to do on on the court. Then I, I like I'd like us in the end pulling away in the second half. Duke eighty eight, Wofford sixty two. <laughs> Big margin uh, after all that. Uh, we're gonna have the uh, backup crazies in the house. Yep. So uh, you know, hopefully they bring it. Uh, but it's not a Friday. To... No, no, it's <laughs> not a Friday. Uh, but uh, look, it it I would like to see uh, some kind of um, way for Kay to be able to get Ronan carry the ball quicker and in more space, maybe try to get it, you know, more off of uh off of uh, defensive rebounds and, and have him drive in the floor um to get him easier looks early. You know, one thing that they were able to do to uh to UNC is pretty much take that completely away from them. Yeah. Uh, and you know you know Mike Young is gonna be talking to Jay McCauley too oh, about absolutely. how to how to double absolutely. team Vernon Carey. You know it. Absolutely and, and not even double team, triple team. Yeah, you know everything, but I do think that you know we're starting to to shoot the ball a little bit better. Uh, you can't overstate, you know, what Alex can potentially bring for the rest mm-hmm. of the year. I'd like to see him build off him, but I do understand uh, fully well that coming off that long break, it's probably going to be pretty sloppy early. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, we we limit our turnovers. Uh, give me Duke in this one, seventy-five to sixty-six. I think it's going to be a little bit more scoring and, and a, a tougher one. Mm-hmm. Um, then we move on to uh, to the week after the Saturday of uh, the the semifinals for for college football. We played mm-hmm. at 11:30 a.m. Such and a weird it. time. Yeah, so I think that they want to try to get this one in before uh, before the college football stuff. Yep. Um, so we played Brown. Brown stinks. They're five and five. Um, you know, if you were five and five in the Ivy League. Uh, you're probably not going to get it done. 
Uh, I shouldn't. Yeah. I can't imagine that it's going to be a, a tough one. I'm. I'm sure that Kay is going to want the guys to go home for uh, for a few days, uh, be with the family for for Christmas, and then come back. Um, so it might be another you know kind of a sloppy one, but we got to use this game as a springboard to uh, our 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 big ACC uh, game against BC. So mm-hmm. I'm going to keep it short. I, th- I think we win. I think it might be a little bit a little bit sloppy. Uh, but eventually it'll be the 84 to 58 type of win. Yeah, it's, they're going to be gearing up for Boston College, and I know people will like to say, Kay won't look ahead. He's going to look at Brown just like they're UNC. He's not. He's not. No, he's not. Gonna he's be. not. We are going to use this game as a practice, essentially, to prepare for BC, getting ready for the ACC slate, getting ready for that Boston College team. So I, I really think, they're going to bring it. I, I really do. I think they'll, they'll get that nice little layoff again. They'll get to go home for Christmas. Everybody will get to do their thing. And then they're going to come back. And I, I think we're going to absolutely demolish Brown. And I think we'll see outside of maybe playing a 16 or a 15 seed in the NCAA tournament. I think this is going to be the last 100 point game we see for Duke. I'm giving us 105 and I'm giving Brown 53. Wow. What a slaughter. All yeah. right. There we have it. Um, we were we were off for a little bit because of the break. It, it kind of uh, disjointed us a little. Uh, we mm-hmm. played hurt. I played sick. AC. Uh, <laughs> you can hear it in my voice, the scratchy voice. I, lo- I, I love the dedication, man. I played through it. Uh, our fans need us, and we'll be on a, a kind of a weird schedule until we get, you know, really right after that Brown game. We're gonna be right back with you for the rest of the year, every Absolutely. single week. Will not let you down. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, all those great things. I hope that. Danny gives you guys everything that you ask for, and that includes one of those freshly minted EA Sports 2020 <laughs> NIT UNT Tarheels with Andrew Playtap racing the cover. Merry Christmas, go Duke! Go Duke! Thank you for tuning in to the Five Point Play Podcast, the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at Instagram at Five Point Play Podcast. And on Twitter, Five Point Play Podcast. Go Duke!